if you guys could recreate like any kids show into like a more edgier grown-up version of that show what would it be like do you guys ever think about that or am i just weird my first thought is scooby-doo like an actual really scary scooby-doo or an adult (laughs) scooby-doo do you keep the talking dog that's what i was just gonna say i don't know if you do some type of like magic like lore that he's like uh possessed dog or by like a demon hunter or if you just make him into a regular dog and you just have them often talk to him like he is another person all right nick one show sesame street with real (laughs) monsters this is fandom episode two anchorman history i am brandon uscio i'm nick english and i'm taylor iverson Okay, in our last episode, we talked about the 2004 classic movie Anchorman. They can't see you doing quotation marks on a podcast. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm pretty sure they could feel it. It's fine. It's fine. So our thoughts, we talked about our thoughts on it. We talked about some of the common themes that we saw, (laughs) good and problematic, all rolled into one. And so in this episode, we're not actually going to talk about the movie necessarily itself, but more of the history behind the movie. Because if you remember, at the very beginning of the movie, there was a based on true stories from the narrator, something about that. And everyone was like, oh, this is totally a joke. We're here to tell you it's not totally a joke. There's actually two guys who claim to be the inspiration behind Ron Burgundy. And before we talk about either, they're like, what kind of guy do you have to be like, yo, no, dude, that's totally me. I'm that guy. Like, (laughs) I'm Ron Burgundy. Who's fighting to be known as the real life Ron Burgundy? Fictional Ron Burgundy is can be cute and endearing. But like, if you want to be like, yeah, I was that misogynistic guy. Which aspect do you want to claim? Like, you can say they based it off of me, but these are the things that they didn't base off of me. Like, I was the talk of the town and like the anchorman and everybody loved me and I had parties and we all hung out all the time and all the people of Santiago adore me. And then they just took liberties on making him not a good person. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe if you just made claims that, like, that wasn't the bad stuff wasn't true. <laughs> like, I'm the real life Ron Burgundy, but a good person. Yeah, I, I, I guess. But that's actually, I think it's more on the nose. If they're all like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Ron Burgundy. Like, if they're like, yeah, he's an awesome dude, and that's totally me. That just would play into what Nick was telling us last episode about the kind of character that they have continued to make Ron Burgundy be in the sequel and in the podcast. A guy who's trying to be good, but doesn't understand why he can't be the way he is. <sighs> this is a sentence I never thought I would say. In my research on Anchorman, I've come to the belief that it was actually based more on Mort Krim. They matched the hair almost like 100%. Kind of has that floppy over 70s hair. The plot of Anchorman's, its focus is the sexism in the 1970s newsroom. This was inspired by, what's the female lead's name in the show? Veronica Corningstone. Veronica Corningstone. She was inspired by NBC News anchor Jessica Savage, who was one of the first major network female news anchors. And she had some battles and some run-ins with Mort Krim at a Philadelphia news station in the 70s. Will Farrell, I guess he watched a documentary about Savage and he was like, man, Krim has an interesting take on this. Krim has an interesting take on sexism. 
He thinks it's cool. He said in his uh, response, he says, I was a real male chauvinist pig. I was not nice to her, which at least he recognized that. But Will Ferrell was like, man, this guy's mustache and all sorts of other things is amazing. But Will Ferrell, even though he said like he was struck by that, he has never flat out said, yes, this was based on this anchorman because he just chose the style. So what you're telling me is this guy... This isn't the one of the guys that's claiming that. Mort Krim, he is the one that everyone's like, yeah, this is the guy who it was. And in an interview, he's been like, yeah, he pretty much based that off of me. Mort Krim on his Wikipedia page, it says in an interview, Will Farrow revealed that Krim was his main inspiration. I don't know how valid Wikipedia is. We always trust Wikipedia. You know what? I would actually trust it because here's the thing about a 2004 movie and internet articles. They don't respect the timeline. They're not like, hey, this is an old article. They're not going to go back and put like correction. Will Ferrell was asked by Harold Green, who was a San Diego newscaster, if he was the inspiration for the character. And apparently Ferrell denied it. And he told Green, there's an old saying in the news game. Yeah, right. Apparently, Harold Green is like, no, that's me. But Mort Krim, I'm pretty sure that's the guy. I find it really interesting that even though, like, clearly the events of the movie didn't take place, how they were portrayed, the movie itself was based on true events about Savage's rise to being an anchor woman and Mort Krim being a jerk to her. And if anybody wants to see who Mort Krim is, apparently between 2017 and 2018, he appeared as himself on 12 episodes of the series Detroiters on Comedy Central. So apparently, like, he took a little bit of his fame and said, hey, you know what, maybe I can go and be in a show. And he went on a Comedy Central show. This week's episode of Fandom is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Listen, we just got some trailers for Discovery Season 4, Picard Season 2, and Prodigy. And if you need to catch up, the best way to watch all Star Trek online is with a Paramount Plus subscription. So get your free trial at fandompodcast.com slash Paramount. And if you already have a Paramount Plus subscription, but would like to support the show, head over to fandompodcast.com slash drink to buy us a drink. Thank you for supporting the show. So Victoria Corningwall, Corningstone. Corningstone. See, I've already forgotten the movie. It's it's Veronica. It's a V name. Victoria Corning. What did you say? Corninghole? (laughs) No, it's not Corninghole. Corningstone. Corningstone. Veronica Corningstone. It's Veronica Corn on the Cob. She must be married to. She must be married to Bumberbatch Cumbersnatchers. Ah, yes, and related to Bridget Lucen. Apparently, she had some other serious actresses who auditioned for her role they brought in maggie gyllenhaal and she didn't make the cut and leslie mann tried out she would have been good though leslie mann would have been good they were younger than christina applegate i remember christina applegate from married with children her role was very different but here's a question for you out of all of the anchormen problematic as they are with the exception of ron burgundy who is your favorite brick brick tamlin 100%. Steve Carell. Yeah. 
He has the best lines. I was going to say Brick. Champ is just not. He's funny for what he is. And to be honest, I think that Paul Rudd playing the I'm the ladies man is funny. But Brick's stuff is genuinely funny without being a little bit just naughty. Well, Brick was just innocent, right? He didn't know what he was doing or or he knew what he was doing, but he didn't know why he was doing it. And so it just added an air of innocence to him. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party that says it all right yeah i feel like maybe i'm picking him as my favorite because i make certain allowances for (laughs) his behavior that i can't for the others here's the thing i know too many champs in real life i know way too many people who behave that way an interesting fact about brick because brick is by far i think probably the favorite one out of them for all of these reasons we talked about but the studio wanted him out Because with as many problems as this movie had, they thought he was bizarre and creepy and unnecessary to the film, especially because he didn't they didn't think that Brick actually fit into the movie at any point because you take Brick out of the movie and it doesn't change the plot at all. Fascinating. That is not at all what I thought you were going to say, because all of the reasons that I think that Brick is problematic is nothing that you just said. (laughs) No, no, I and I agree because here's the thing: like his portrayal of somebody who has some mental health issues, yeah, like is has like maybe some type of learning disability, and it, it gets turned into the butt of the joke. Like to me, that would be the problematic yes, part. Exa- that that's what I thought you were going to say is that they were like, oh, we don't know if we can make fun of someone with a disability. That is not where you went. So apparently the director said that the studio told him that this just reads insane. It's pointless and it's weird. And there's just really no point in having him in there. (laughs) And so uh, apparently that's what the studio had an issue with. I guess Adam McKay, who's the director of the film, had told Steve Carell, look, you have no rules. You can literally walk out of any scene if you want because they just let him play however he wanted. And so the studio was like, he's problematic in the script or in blah, blah. I'm like, his portrayal is a little problematic. So Yeah, no, even though that we're speaking to this, I also want us to be aware that we also can't speak to this maybe as much as someone from this community and this population and how much harm or how offensive this is. And just being mindful, I don't want to say like something is or isn't offensive when I am not the person to make that call. But I do want to recognize that was what I had most discomfort with that character, which is why I hesitated when you were like, who's your favorite? Because I agree. I feel like he had some of the funniest jokes and like the ones that I laughed out loud to. But there were also many moments where I was like, I am uncomfortable with this character and the way, like you said, this character is the butt of the joke. And that him having a disability or him like not functioning in the same way as other people is what's supposed to be funny. I I agree. I don't know how to talk about so many things. And yet then I go and I watch these movies and it's like, I know that's problematic, but dang it, it made me laugh. I don't know how to settle that in myself sometimes. Yeah, he had a funny joke, but oh, I, I don't know that I should. I don't know that I should laugh at it, but I am. Can I say that my second favorite is Ed Harkin, who's played by Fred Willard, the head of the studio, the station manager. Yeah. I don't know where my son would have gotten a hold of German pornography. Just between you and me, we've seen our share of. Oh, oh of course not, Sister Mary Margaret. <laughs> like it's just like what? Okay, <laughs> I was speaking in generalities. I also like that he's on Wally, so. I like that actor. Rest in peace. But yeah, I like him. 
But yeah, I could say that. But yeah, I agree with everything that is said. And we've already established that this movie is not a good movie for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but it's but it's a good movie for other reasons. Like that, that's the part of this movie that like I'm still struggling with. And I probably will even after we're done with our series on this. Like there are things that I'm like, I liked that. But there are things that I'm like, oh, that was not good. <laughs> the next part of the history that I wanted to talk about is that this movie was almost completely different and apparently it was much worse than it is now it could have been worse it could have been worse could have been worse i probably wouldn't have liked it at that point we would not be talking about it right now if that was the case that's fair that is fair so will farrell he he was on the bill simmons podcast in 2017 and he revealed that he was like working on this movie but he was having a hard time like getting it picked up and like you know, it was rejected 10 times in one day, he said. 10 times in one day, which when you find out why, when you find out what it was about, you'll understand why. But the original plot was actually more outrageous than what we have here. Like this, okay, so the plot, it had some weird twists and turns, but it, it was pretty straightforward. You could be like, hey, this is a movie about a woman trying to become a, a news anchor in a very misogynistic environment. Like, if we wanted to be generous, we could say that's the plot of the movie, with just some really weird Will Ferrell comedy thrown in with it on top. This is a quote from Will Ferrell. He says, The first version of Anchorman is basically the movie Alive, where the year is 1976, and we're flying to Philadelphia to celebrate the bicentennial. And also, all the newsmen from around the country are flying in from their affiliates to have some big convention. Ron convinces the pilot that he knows how to fly at the charter jet, and he immediately crash lands it in the mountains. And it's just the story of them surviving and trying to get off the mountainside. They clipped a cargo plane and the cargo plane crashed as well close to them. And it was carrying only boxes of orangutans and Chinese throwing stars. So apparently the movie was going to be them like trying to get off the mountain, being stalked by these orangutans who, who are killing them off one by one. Okay, I'm going to just come right out the gate and say this sounds better. This sounds like a less sexist movie. <laughs> and Veronica Corningstone, who's who's Christina Applegate's character, she keeps saying things like, guys, I know if we just head down, we'll hit civilization. And they kept telling her, wrong, and things like that. That was the first version of the you movie. You just added that little part at the end. <laughs> wrong. No, that was actually in the quote from Will, Will Ferrell. Oh, was that it was, really? That was a, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> paraphrased from that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, at least in this scenario, the men are more aptly punished for their bad behavior. They were killed by orangutans. So I guess if they were killed by, if they were killed by orangutans, then yes. Well, and they have to, their plane immediately crashes when they let Ron take control and uh, they're stuck in the wilderness. I don't know. Like it's, I very much think that the movie that they put out was a better version of that it's definitely seems like as more of a coherent plot which is why everyone went to go see anchorman in the first place you think that them crashing on a is a more co coherent plot oh okay. interesting no i think the other i'm saying that the what it turned out to be is a more coherent plot <laughs> Oh, okay. I was going to say. Interesting. No, yeah, that's fine. But although I'm just thinking now that the orangutans just turned into, what was it at the end? Bears? The grizzly bears. 
And then I can't imagine you, we would have Baxter if that were the case. Well, maybe Baxter went with well, them. Or Baxter on the plane. still would have saved the day. Yeah. And then he thought Baxter died in the plane crash, but Baxter came back to save him from an orangutan. See, I could write this movie. <laughs> well, good. Good. Because so what we're going to do is we're going to become Will Ferrell. For this uh, next part of the episode, we have each taken a classic movie. And I say classic. It can be any movie. But we've taken a movie. We've taken a movie. And we have decided, much like Will Ferrell, we're going to... Uh, riff on the plot, but we are going to replace the characters with Anchorman. It's kind of like the meme where, okay, pick a movie and replace all the actors with Muppets. We're going to replace all the actors with Anchorman and 1970s misogynistic Anchorman, and we will see how things go. So let's do true fandom style. Nick, start us out. What movie did you recast with Anchorman? All right, just for the pure... Like, I did this for for Taylor because I feel like the anchorman would get what she feels like they deserve. And so I replaced basically the four main characters in Jurassic Park with the anchorman and they show up on the island. So they are going to the island to report the news about what is going on in Jurassic Park. They show up and then everything just goes and then they're chased by T-Rexes and Velociraptors. And Veronica Corningstone is the only one that survives at the end. We'll just say that. So here's my question. Do we need to recast Jeff Goldblum? No, I think he would just still be in his same thing where it'd be like, I have to be here to make sure that everything that they say is actually like on par of what it should be. So like maybe he's not exactly the same but maybe scientific advisor yeah maybe he's the scientific advisor or he's the like the hr representative that's like i don't want them to say something horrible on tv and so i'm gonna edit them out so who's saying the horrible thing the anchormen or the employees of the park oh no the anchormen are going out and reporting what's going on and saying i can't go in and see the t-rex because he will literally rip my face off and they're making like either a mockumentary or documentary or just reporting that like oh hey this is what's going on this is jurassic park where we want to report like this new thing that's coming out and the hilarity ensues and i'm sure that there would be a lot of like by the by the beard of zeus that is a large animal look at the size of that poop that's quite a sizable poop but I could just picture those types of conversations going on. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like that. Hopefully it ends with all the anchormen being eaten by a dinosaur. This is what I, this is what I would think. Okay. So instead of Dennis Nedry getting killed by the Dilophosaurus, it would be Brian Fantana because he stinks of sex Panther, his cologne. And so like being poisoned by something that is like gross. Like that's the irony that happens to him is that he dies that way. Yeah. Um, it's like, so in this, I think in this scenario, he sprays the perfume saying this attracts women, but it actually attracts dinosaurs. And then the Dilophosaurus <laughs> comes out and spits like poisonous goo on his face. And then he dies. Champ would obviously get eaten while on the toilet by the T-Rex because we want him to just, 
have the most ridiculous death ever. I think that Ron Burgundy would make it to the end and he would be with Samuel L. like hiding or whomever we want to put in there. And he would get eaten by the raptors just because I don't know. And maybe he survives and maybe Baxter comes and saves him. And instead of the T-Rex saving everyone, Baxter comes and saves everyone in the end so that the, so that the, the raptors don't come. And then Brick, I don't want him to die. I think that Brick probably like, I don't know. Let's see. I think Brick is just riding on top of a Triceratops and then he survives. So he's just riding on the top of a Triceratops. Like he's riding on the top of the grizzly bear and they're just like, what are you doing, Brick? And so he would just be riding on it on a Triceratops and he would survive because the Triceratops would protect him. He does have a thing for point or objects with three pointed ends on it. Killed a guy with a trident. He's riding on a Triceratops. Can he be holding a trident while riding the Triceratops? And a hand grenade. Holding a hand grenade and a (laughs) trident. Just riding along. I think somebody needs to make fan art of that. (laughs) But yeah, that's my idea. Veronica would survive because she has her wits about her. And yeah, I can just see like everyone just event eventually dying by some sort of dinosaur however it wants except for brick who's riding a triceratops and veronica who f- just miraculously finds him at the very end right before the boat comes and picks them up or the helicopter and he's just riding on a triceratops we we think that brick died earlier and yeah at the very end like he just comes like as veronica's like getting rescued and getting off like he breaks through the forest. And I picture and like, him oh, like shirtless with like tons of muscles yes. and like he's been surviving in the wilderness on his own. And yes, and he's like covered in like camo, like mud. <laughs> he ripped his shirt and made it into a bandana and he's just kind of riding with filthy clothes. He's put on, he has the Triceratops horns and he's he has become one of them. He made a hat of a helmet of a dead Triceratops' skull. That would be way too big for his head. (laughs) And the trident is made out of the horns of a triceratops. There we go. There we like I you know what? Forget all the other increment. This movie's about brick. This brick is the hero of this show. This is the legendary story of brick. Brick Tamlin. Yes. 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 All right. I love it. I love it. All right. That's my story. All right, Taylor, what movie did you pick um, to I, replace the, with Anchorman? I picked Mean Girls. <laughs> because, of course, you did. So, hear me out. Ron, Regina George. Hands down. Then we have Veronica. She's Katie, right? Because she's new. And she's like, she's the underdog. She's who we're really rooting for. Then I can't decide. I think champ and brian just get combined to be gretchen wieners and then obviously brick is karen (laughs) i just feel like that was that was just that's obvious and then i have i guess Catherine hahn is aaron samuels i don't really know this is where things quickly fell apart so what what is your premise to get these anchor men back in high school with all the mean girls or do the mean girls leave high school and go into the newsroom there's some type of like 
reason that they have to go undercover to bust some story <laughs> at the local high it's school. An, it, it's an undercover news story. You know, yes. how the news is always trying to convince you that something's going to kill you. What evil is lurking in your children's high yes. school? We went undercover to reveal this shocking answer to you tonight at nine. I, I feel like that somebody should be a lunch lady. Maybe Ed Harkin is the lunch lady. I put him as like the principal who's like, I did not leave the South Side for this. And then I thought maybe I, I really struggled when I got to Janice and Damien I was like I guess Vince Vaughn is Janice I don't really know he hates Ron Burgundy so maybe that makes sense and anyone else like you could have the Tim Robbins character of public news he could be there or my other so I had two ideas so yeah either we have their undercover reporters or I thought maybe we just have them run a news station in high school <laughs> that everyone that they specifically that the the plastics like take Usher. really seriously and everybody else thinks it's a joke and is like, why do they act like they're on real news when it's just like class announcements? I think that you need to uh, workshop that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I felt really good about like the core four and then it quickly uh, unraveled after that. I mean, I think that's the definition of the movie Anchorman. I felt really good about the core four, but it very quickly unraveled after the rest of that. I had a hard time with this. It was my idea. So you would be like, oh, Brandon's got a good idea. And in the example, I said, hey, we should do Sound of Music and Ron can be Daddy Von Trapp. And I thought that was funny. And I was, I was like, but uh, I'm having a hard time actually figuring out why the anchormen are, the, like, are there. So I had to abandon that one. What I finally ended up on was I, I wanted an Ocean's Eleven-esque anchorman movie. So... <laughs> You have, and this is pulling from Anchorman 2 a little bit, but let's say that Harrison Ford, who's the network news anchor, he stole something. They had a big scoop and he stole the story. And the script for the teleprompter is on his desk and they have to go and steal it out of his desk. So it's a good old fashioned heist movie. And Veronica, she actually has like the good plan and she's like, okay, we need this and we need this and we need this. And the anchormen are like, no, babe, we got this. And they go to the studio to break in and steal the script and they get caught and they get arrested. And then Veronica goes in with the women from the show and using her plan, they get it. So we get a little bit of Ocean's Eleven and a little bit of Eleven. at that there. point, I think that she was, she knew, like she had the wherewithal to know that they were going to fail. And that was part of her plan, which made it so that she could succeed. So somehow... In them failing, she's able to succeed and actually achieve it. Like them getting arrested was part of her plan. Yeah. It was part of the distraction yeah. for her. She's like, while yeah, you were yeah, being so. arrested, I broke. we broke in and stole the story. If we're doing complete Ocean's Eleven, they pull up in cop cars in SWAT, with SWAT gear, go in, steal it, come back out. And like that was the plan all along. Oh, I love it. For some reason, the SWAT team has to be there because whatever Ron Brick and Champ did, they made it so that they actually had to have a SWAT team arrive. And it's because Brick has a grenade. Brick has the grenade and the SWAT team is sent in to like defuse the situation. <laughs> no, it's, it's not the SWAT team. It's the bomb squad. It's a bomb squad. Sure, that would work too. They go in as the bomb squad. But the grenade was never real. And and when Breck says, why do you have a hand grenade? He's like, I don't know. She planted it. 
She planted yes. it. She Then it cuts to a scene at the end where she's like, Brick, here, I got you this present. I think we can have a great reveal for this. I think in Ocean's 8, Ocean's 11, mash up the, you got the women team, you got the men team, and you get the anchormen who are just incompetent. And so they get arrested. So they get their comeuppance for being misogynists. Because apparently being arrested in my mind is to come up and serve misogyny. We can workshop that part out. But I do like the fact that there are some consequences. And, and then all of a sudden, Veronica Corningstone, she gets to be the anchor person because Ron is now in jail. So now I, and she gets the scoop and she reads the scoop on TV and she becomes a network anchor. I like that one. Like I was only half cocked with it. And I'm glad you guys like finished it for me that was beautiful you gave us a great start uh, a real good foundation and we just took that and we ran with it it was a solid start and i think you sold yourself short saying that uh, you didn't have a great idea because that was great i honestly feel like that that one was the best one of the three like i'm just gonna throw it out there that the anchorman 11 is no i'd be like is, anchorman is 4 the best. <laughs> Burgundy 11 is what it would probably be called. Burgundy 11 and then underneath Corningstone 8. I think one of the eight, though, is Baxter. Baxter is one of the eight, 100%. He's one of the eight. He's not one of of the 11. No, yeah, he's one of the eight. And like when there's the scene where like Baxter comes and is like, I don't like this lady being around she's taking up too much of your time ron he's actually just talking to veronica and that's when they're planning and it'll cut back to that and ron will think that he's saying that in his mind but really like the whole time he is collaborating with veronica about what they're doing and he's like but i don't want him to die he's still my he's still my friend no there should be a reveal at the end that baxter's a girl and that ron's just stupid that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Guys, this is too much fun. We took the little bit of history that they had, some trivia, and the fact that they had a bad... I, 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 don't, I just don't think they went far enough with their remake of the script. Like, they could have made it work. So, apparently, they just needed to watch Ocean's Eleven one more time. Guys, what I love about this is we have taken a property that neither Taylor nor I love... But we have found things to love about it. And we I've had a blast here tonight talking to you guys about this. And so if this doesn't prove that you can find something fun in any fandom, I don't know what does. Next week, we're going to be giving out some bad recommendations based on things that you might like if you also liked Anchorman. Some of the connections are a little thin. Be sure to tune into that by following us on any of the podcast catchers of your choice. We're in Apple, we're in Google, we're in Spotify, wherever you want to find us, follow us there. So I guess all I have left to say is until next time, you stay classy, fandomaniacs. And thanks for stopping by. May the fandom be with you. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen. Hi, I'm Eddie. I'm Roger. And I'm Joe from Tales from the Comic Shop. We want to invite you to take a peek behind the counter and find out the truth about how the comic industry really operates. From the business side to creative side and all the big inside news straight from the source. So tune in to Tales from the Comic Shop every week on GNN, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.